It is a joy to be with you uh, this morning here in traditional worship at Pittman Park. Normally, um, you would find me on a Sunday morning across the way in the fellowship hall leading our borough worship service. And that's where our senior pastor, Tim Stephan, is this morning. He's leading um, worship in the borough service. Well, this morning, I want to invite you to do something that I invite um, the folks in the borough to do each week, Um, and that is either open your Bibles uh, to Matthew chapter 5, or fire up your cell phones, fire up your YouVersion app um, that's on your iPhone or Android device, um, so you can read the words of Scripture. It's, It's marvelous for you to hear the words of Scripture. It's even better for you to read and internalize the words of Scripture. So we'll be looking at Matthew chapter 5, verses 1 to 16 this morning. Would you stand for the reading of God's Word from Matthew chapter 5, verses 1 to 16? Matthew writes, Now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach them. He said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you. When people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me, rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets before you, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out. And trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A city built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead they put it on its stand. And it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others. That they may see your good deeds. And glorify your Father in heaven. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Have you ever noticed in life that just as your cup of happiness is beginning to get three quarters of the way full, almost full, um, you ever fill something up and you're watching it fill and it gets three quarters of the way and you start to get hope that this thing's going to be full? I had to fill a big uh, 55-gallon drum one time with buckets of water and I had one of those moments where it was as it was three quarters of the way full, I thought, wow, we're really getting close. You ever have that happen with your your faith or, or with your happiness where you feel like you're getting three quarters of the way full and in just a minute you're going to be able to sit down with your cup of happiness and finally settle down? 
down and enjoy it. And then what happens? Somebody bumps your elbow and you've spilled your happiness all over the table and on the floor and on your shirt. And it's down in your socks now and your shoes and you're walking in it. You, you ever get wet socks when you spill something? Most uncomfortable feeling ever. Just very awkward. Very, very awkward. So you're living your life and you spill your cup of happiness. And the truth that that brings out is this, that happiness is a very elusive thing. In fact, I don't know how you would measure this, but according to one study, only 20% of the people in the U.S. claim to be happy. For some people, it's, it's that way because somebody bumped their elbow and their happiness spilled all over the floor. For others, it can be that thing that never happens, that upsets their happiness. So here's the question. What is your picture of a happy life? Is your picture of the happy life, the American dream, the ideal of owning a home with a two-car garage, having 2.5 children, and I don't even know how you do that, or maybe 2.2 children, I think is what they say now. Is that your idea of the American dream, having the job that you want and enough money to enjoy your leisure time, your free time? What's your picture of a happy life? Where do you, where do you find happiness now? Do you go to the movies? You know, we went to the movies, my family and I, we went to the movies and saw Wreck-It Ralph Friday night. And my daughter found happiness because Wreck-It Ralph said, I'm going to wreck it. Um, it was great fun. And she was happy. We also went to Disney World. And she dressed as a princess. And we had great fun at Disney World. It wasn't fun paying for it on the front end, but, but we found happiness at a high, high price. Some of you find happiness out on a bike trail or a, or a jogging path. You find happiness in the woods, maybe in a tree stand. You find peace in those sort of situations. Where do you find happiness? Some of us find happiness at, at a good restaurant. I know I've often found happiness behind a large steak and a loaded baked potato. <laughs> Or maybe you found happiness at Paulson Stadium this Saturday. <laughs> or maybe you're from Washington, D.C. and you didn't. Um, <laughs> or maybe for you it's not a place that makes you happy, but a relationship, a circumstance that really causes you to be happy or makes you think you're going to be happy. Perhaps you're looking for happiness in your family life, or maybe you're waiting for happiness to return after a change of finances or after a change of, of lifestyle or... Ooh. That's getting very high. Yeah. Push that back a little bit. Can you hear me in the back right there? Can you nod? If you can hear me? Alright, you can hear me in the back. So where are you looking for happiness? I want you to take just a moment this morning and answer this question. I would be happier if blank. I would be happier if blank. Did you find an answer? The way you and I answer that statement says a lot about what we believe. It might even say something about your approach to life. And the funny thing is that even when we get the things that we think 
we really want, that we, the things that you just thought of, we often find a way to become unhappy and unfulfilled again. Whether it's great health, whether it's a financial windfall, whatever it is. We manage to find a way to be unhappy again. Happiness is a moving target. So rather than give you three statements that all begin with the letter P to make you happy and send you out well-adjusted people this morning, I'd like for us to take a look at the Beatitudes and what Jesus has to say, not about being happy, but about being blessed. Because happiness and blessedness are different things. I have to admit to you this morning that this really is one of my favorite texts in the whole Bible. In fact, throughout the history of Christianity, these verses have been pointed to as some of the most significant teachings of Jesus. These Beatitudes are the introduction to the Sermon on the Mount. They're poetic and they're provocative, they're challenging and they're uncomfortable. And what this section of Scripture demonstrates for us is the often upside down understanding of our world and of faithfulness that Christ presents to us. Think about it. Jesus says, blessed are the poor, even if they are poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. That's backwards, isn't it? Those things don't sound like virtues to be lifted up and extolled. In fact, we tend to look down on those who are poor, even if they are poor in spirit. We tend to look down on the meek and those who mourn. We forget the hungry and the thirsty among us, even the spiritually hungry and thirsty among us. If we're really honest with ourselves, we might even say that the Beatitudes make us a little uncomfortable because they point to something that's greater or at least qualitatively different than happiness. They point toward blessedness. And a hope that's greater than our circumstances. You know, if our culture had the opportunity opportunity to rewrite the Beatitudes, they might look a little different. They might even sound sort of like this. Blessed are the rich, for they shall have it all. Blessed are the powerful, for they always have their way. Blessed are the beautiful, for they shall be admired. Blessed are the popular, for they shall be loved. Blessed are the faithful, for they shall be followed on Twitter. (laughs) That's what being blessed sounds like to us, doesn't it? To our culture, to our world, that's what blessedness sounds like to us. After all, being blessed. Rich or powerful or beautiful or popular or famous, these things are what really matter in life, right? Right? (laughs) If we had those things, if we just had those things, we'd be happy, wouldn't we? A little more money, a little more power, a little more popularity, a little more fame. And if you were operating out of this world's 
mindset. If you're operating by the world's standards, you might be right. But Jesus doesn't operate out of this world's paradigm. He works out of a kingdom paradigm. His frame of reference. Can we just mute? Let's just let's pull the mics all together because we're really ringing. Okay. All right. If you're operating out of a worldly mindset, you might be right. But Jesus functions out of a different paradigm. He works out of the kingdom's paradigm. His frame of reference isn't what we see and understand to be great or understand to be greatness, but what truly is great in the eyes of of Jesus and in the eyes of God. And so Jesus, with the largest crowd that he'll ever preach in front of, with you and I in the audience this morning, gives us an unconventional perspective on life. And he introduces to us more than just a sermon, some good teaching. He introduces to us a whole new approach. You see, these Beatitudes, they challenge us to a standard of living that is radically different from anything this world has ever seen before. They challenge us to look for hope and trust in God, not only in the hardest moments in our lives, but also in our faithfulness and in our actions. That's why Jesus begins where He begins here. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Personally, I prefer the the New English Bible translation. It says it this way. How blessed are those who know their need for God. If we would experience blessings, if we want to experience blessedness, the first step is to recognize our spiritual poverty. 